Welcome to Reinventing You. I'm your host, Danielle Silverman. I believe that in today's world of ever-constant evolution, the only career change that matters is when what you do matches who you are and what you believe. This show is where you'll learn how embracing change and reinventing yourself will help you navigate any disruptions and lead a life of happiness and fulfillment, especially in this ever-changing world. Your purpose and your meaning will drive your personal transformation. As I like to say, it's your vision, your life. Be passionate about it. Reinventing You starts now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Reinventing You, a podcast where we talk about all things career-related. And today we're going to talk a little bit about things that are life-related as well, because they're very, very intimately connected. My name is Danielle Silverman. I'm your host today, and I'm very lucky and very grateful to have Dr. Uh, Pat Basili as our guest today, uh, where we're going to be talking about choice. But I wanted to share with you uh, first, uh, I recently came back from this absolutely amazing trip to Italy uh, that was both business and personal. And it was so, so amazing. I mean, I think, first of all, it was the first long trip that I took after uh, after the pandemic. Uh, and everything about it was perfect uh, on so many levels. And as a consequence, I came back on a huge high. I was just so filled with love and beauty that uh, it was amazing. But, you know, very soon after I came back, it was November. And pretty soon it's going to be December. And I have to admit, I was hit with the November blues. You know, I, I have suffered. I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but I have suffered from chronic depression for most of my life. And just this past weekend, I found myself wanting to stay in bed most of the time. Everything was wrong. My sleep patterns were off. My eating uh, habits were off. I didn't have the motivation to do anything. But I realized this morning, actually, I was talking to somebody who who actually helped talk me through it. Um, I also have a history of being a little bit rebellious. Um, So whenever somebody tells me that I have to do something, that I have to do something, I walk away. I do something else. Nobody's going to tell me that I have to do something. So when I came back from Italy, it seemed that everything that I was doing was sort of like a have to, it was like an obligation. And I realized this morning that it was the child's voice in me that was saying, oh, not another thing that I have to do. And when I heard that, actually unconsciously what was happening is that I I realized, my unconscious realized that I was, I had all these obligations and it just rebelled. And it said, no, I'm not going to do that. You don't, I can't tell you, I can't make you do, you can't make me do that. Um, But I, I realized afterwards that I'm not a child anymore. I don't have to give in to those emotions, give in to those feelings And so what I wanted to talk about today is about those feelings, about those emotions, and and thinking about it in the the 
context of job search or in the context of uh, being frustrated or unhappy in your job? How many times uh, have you felt down or dejected because your job search seems to be taking too long or because, oh, you have to rewrite that resume for every single job for which you apply over and over and over again? How many times have you felt frustrated because you think you're not being heard at work or um, your boss is being a little bit abusive or the values of the organization just aren't fitting with yours and you're just really tired about it? Uh, more than tired, you're you're in a funk. You're, you have the blues, you're depressed, you're whatever it is. So today... Uh, our good friend, Dr. Pat, is going to join me in this discussion. Uh, we're going to talk about what it means to get out of that funk. What do you say, Pat? Shall we do this? Yeah, let's do it. I, I love this topic. I love it because it hits the broad spe uh, spectrum of who we are as human beings individually, but also who we are when we talk about humanity. You know, we talk about where are we in the world of independence and choice these days? And what puts us on sort of this scale of whether or not we feel powerful or victimized? And I think this is a, you know, it's a powerful topic because look, so many people want to just blow off what the past three years, the reality is, I mean, at least for me, maybe it's different for others, but this is the first holiday season, whether it's Hanukkah, whether it's Christmas, whatever you're going through, where a lot of people don't have the paranoia they had last year, right? And so choosing now is a big freedom for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and yet it's a little still uncomfortable and people are feeling their way. And, you know, some days you just don't want to get out of bed. Yeah. <laughs> That's just, yeah. It's just that. <laughs> yeah. I think we're all, we're all a little bit guilty of that sometimes. Oh you know? yeah. So, oh yeah. So, so what do you, I know, I know what I do to sort of push myself. What, what makes you feel better? I'll tell you what, uh, this is, there's a quote by Meryl Streep that I love. Um, you know, there are a lot of quotes about freedom and choice, but there's one by her that I really love. And I've heard a bunch of them over time. And she says, true freedom is the understanding that we have a choice in who and what we allow to have power over us. And I love this because when you dissect this a little bit, She's talking about true freedom. She's talking about understanding it in a way that we have a choice about who and what we allow to have power of us. Now, let's talk about the what before we talk about the who, because we could spend a whole show on debating whether or not we really have power when someone, organization, whoever it is, right? But let's just talk about the what. See, even though we may think that I'm going to wake up today and the world is coming in on me, my check bounced, da-da-da-da-da, 
the kids are screaming. I lost my job. My dog is sick. Somebody keyed up my pickup. I mean, that's a country Western song. And I grew up with them. (laughs) But one of the things I learned from this country Western mother was she would say to us girls, she'd say in her Southern girls, don't be fooled by the illusion of freedom. And we just look at her until we got older. And she said, you only have one freedom in the world, and that's the freedom to choose. Uh-huh. And that's what I grew up with. Wow. And that, that's it. And, that's you know, think about that, though, right, Danielle? Because here we are. We don't think we have freedom sometimes. Now, I want to I put a caveat out there. So I just want to be very clear. There are some people that are struggling. They're struggling. They're struggling with mental challenges, mental illness, whatever you want to call it, depression. Mm-hmm. And choosing is a lot harder, right? Understanding when you're in those states, whatever you want to call it, chemical imbalance, it's a little bit more difficult. Yeah. But on average, you have the freedom to choose. Yeah. That's it. And I do believe it's the only freedom we have, the only true freedom we have. And it's like Meryl Streep said. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. And and you're right about the mental challenges that people have, especially today. There are many, and there are other kinds of challenges that people have where they, yeah. you know, if they're you're in war zone, you're not necessarily, you don't necessarily have that choice. Although, no. you know, one might argue that as well. Um, but when you're in that extreme situation, then there, it's a completely different conversation, right? Yeah, you need you need medical help, um, special help. But otherwise, it's coming to the realization, having that awareness that I think is difficult. Very easy to say. You have you, the only thing you have is is the ability to choose, but you have to have that awareness. Oh, look, <laughs> when I was, I don't even know now. I have to say probably late 30s, maybe early 40s, I was given a book. And when I was given this book, you know, people give you books because they want you to learn something, right? Oh, I mean, has, hasn't everybody done that? It's like, yeah. Danielle, read this book. Okay, yeah. right? It's not about them. It's about something they see in us and they think, okay, you can learn from this. So I was given Victor Frankel. Of course, I knew you were going to say that. I <laughs> knew it. And... uh Man search for meaning. But here, yep. here's a Viktor Frankl quote that I love. And I, I don't know if my mom read it. I don't know. And he says, everything can be taken from a man, man slash woman, yeah. uh, anyone. Anything can be taken from a person. But one thing, the last of the human freedoms to choose one's attitude in every given set of circumstances to choose one's own way. When we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. See, what? Yeah. I, I, I mean, it took me a decade to understand that. Yeah. Well, yeah, to change what. And when you think about, for those people who don't know, Viktor Frankl was at Auschwitz. He was in a concentration camp. So he really didn't have any, quote unquote, freedom. And yet he chose to change his attitude. And many believe that that's the reason he survived the concentration camp. Yeah. And, you know, when you think about it, 
Now we have science. Now we have studies. Now we have empirical data coming from psychology or psychiatry or the world that studies neuroscience or mind or mindset. I mean, it's so broad now, but there are new studies every day. And the one thing that you find is optimists rule the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Simon Sinek is at the front of them. <laughs> You know, and I, I, I don't know if that's true, but a lot of the studies are showing that, you know, that level of optimism. And, you know, there's some some people that are studying this in school. I didn't have I think if I'd had the option, I would have studied. I would have studied this more. Mm. But they're learning about what that does, what optimism, your ability to change your attitude and mindset. And there's this degree have you heard of the rice experiment? The rice. You remember Dr. Emoto? Dr. Emoto came out. I got to interview him, but the book, the book, the movie, What the Belief came out. And Dr. Emoto, yes. they had on there, who studied water. And yes. he created this experiment with rice. Now, people have taken this to the next level. I, you all out there, you need to Google this because if you watch, the if you watch what these people are doing with rice, you'll understand what we're about to say. And it's it's a simple experiment. You ought to try it. I'm getting ready to do it myself. Okay. But you get rice and you put it in cooked rice, apparently, and they give you instructions online, Danielle. And okay. you put it in three jars, right? And then and you put the top on the jar and you label the jar. So the first one's called love. The second one's called hate. And the third one is neutral. And every day you, you take this jar that's sealed, you don't ever open them, and you talk love into the love jar of rice, right? Then you talk hate, and then you just ignore it. When you see the results of that experiment, I think the one I looked at was 30 days. Some people do it for 90. The love jar had a little teeny kind of yellowish. The hate jar had mold and black stuff in it. And the neutral jar had a little bit. Now, try this experiment. Everybody that has tried this experiment has gotten the same results. Why is that? Why is that? And, you know, if you watch this and you watch these, the, it's a very short video. If you watch the rice experiments people are doing, trying to disprove this. Yeah. They, they're not. It's over and over and over again. And they use the same batch of rice and they use the same jars and they seal them up. What's the difference? The love one gets the love. The hate one gets the hate. And the other one is simply ignored. Yeah. And it's fascinating now. Right. So transform, transfer that to. My God, so many things, not the least of which is human beings. Yeah. Right. Yep. Your children. Yeah. Yeah. If you show them love, if you if you yell at them, or if you simply ignore them, what will happen? But yep. my first thought, because right, I don't have kids. It's exactly right, though. Yes. But it happens with anything. I mean, it could happen, you know, with friends. It could happen with a pet. It doesn't matter. The but what I love, don't you love this though? I mean, I honestly, I don't know if, if the, you know, during the show, Jessica could play a little clip of the rice experiment from YouTube because I forgot about it, Danielle. And then somebody mentioned to it to me. I don't even remember where it came up. And I thought, 
how easy is it then? No matter what your situation is, no matter what shows up in life. You know, I was talking, talking to one of our hosts today who lost a sister very recently. And, you know, as sad as that is, right? The love that is spoken over this, you see, see, you can be sad, right? You can be sad, but you can choose even while you're sad to be optimistic. It, it, it's interesting because I, well, after the break, we'll talk about this a little bit more, but where it's very hard when you're in the doldrums, when you're in the depression to remember to be optimistic. Yeah. I have a solution for you. I, I, when we come back, I'm going to give you a little trick. I love it. Okay. (laughs) Let's do that. You have one life to live. You want to spend it doing something you enjoy and that has meaning. If you're listening to this, then you're among the many who feel that the work they're doing is no longer a fit. My comprehensive coaching will support you and help you figure it out. I've coached hundreds of people through career transition. Visit my website today to book a free call, www.reinventing-letteru.com when what you do matches who you are. Here's a quick tip from Jason and Patricia at the Ecosystem Approach Show. This is for help with difficult communications with loved ones, bosses, co-workers, or even a teenager. Do this. Say to yourself, I direct all my resources in all dimensions to eliminate the barriers to direct, open, and honest communications with, and then name the person. Take a breath and blow the barriers, the negative energy into the processor that you see behind us. Keep doing it and see what happens. The more you do it, the better the results. Want more information? Listen to our show every week. We teach you how to apply energy techniques to everyday life in ways that are practical and useful. See you Monday, 1 p.m. Pacific, or find us at theecosystemapproach.org. Welcome back. You said, Dr. Pat, that you have yep. a, a tip for us. I do. I do. Uh, you know, uh, the, Melissa Stockwell is a woman of strength and enormous courage. Now, her story is, if you, it, and she's got a fantastic book. I think their book is called The Power of Choice. Mm. Um, but if you read her book, what she talks about is, it is, it is a must read. For anyone that's facing challenges, like her passion, her sport that she had, one of her accomplishments, very young gymnast early on, targeted for the Olympics, right? Um, force of nature, restless. I mean, she looks, sounds like you and me, right? But here she goes, speeding around on a bike, everything that a young, vibrant woman, right? Kid growing to be a woman. And then 9-11. And she was deployed to Iraq and commissioned army officer. And she suffered an injury that would change her life forever. Um, challenging recovery, Walter Reed Hospital, so many things. 
but she took her power of choice. See, this is what we're talking about now, right? Now, yeah. I gave you I gave you Melissa Stockwell because I wanted to use this as a great example. We talked about Viktor Frankl, but yeah. she used that power to channel her energy into competition. And, you know, the paratriathlon yeah. world championships meddling in 2016 in Rio. So her her journey serves not just the country here, but the heartache, a painful divorce, you know, founding a successful nonprofit, you know, a career in prosthetics. I mean, right? Finding new love. I mean, mother of children. Along the way, she meets, uh, you know, an American president. I mean, right? But yeah. it could have been a very different story, Danielle, right? Yes, it could have been a very different story. And it is for very many people. That's the question here, because not everybody is meant to be a Melissa Stockwell or a Viktor Frankl. And so the message I'm trying to, to put out to everybody is, what do you do if you're not a Melissa Stockwell? Or what if you're not a Viktor Frankl and you don't have that, what we say, you know, that, that, that energy to, to be yeah. able to, to do that and to, to get out of your, yeah. that, that place, that dark place that you're in. I, I think it's like every other muscle we have, you have to work it. And yeah. I want to tell you the muscle that you have to work. And I, I do talks just on this. Yeah. This is one of my favorite keynotes. To oh, give wow. <laughs> because okay. I challenge the audience and I want to challenge, challenge everybody here. You know, I don't know. Maybe I woke up optimistic. Some people say I was kind of born that way. I was always happy, but I had a rough life and I was depressed most of my life. However, I learned a couple of tools along the way. And what I learned are some practices. And so now when I work with groups and women, I give them assignments. Now, for some people, you can do this without writing. But for most of the people I work with, they have to submit their assignments back every day. And it's simple. I need you to write on a piece of paper. I don't care who you believe in. God, Krishna, Ganesh, it doesn't, Allah, it doesn't matter. Jesus, Mary, it doesn't matter. On the paper, you must write 70 times. Thank you, God, universe, Mother Earth, Goddess. It doesn't matter. And you have to write it 70 times every day. Handwrite it. Don't be typing anything and sending it to me. You write it. And you take a picture on your phone and you text it to me. And if you miss a day, you have to start over. Wow. And so what's the point? What is it about gratitude? What is it about the energy of gratitude? Now, Victor Frankel was brilliant. Meryl Streep's comment about that she made Selma Hayek. I mean, so many people out in the world that talk about this. There's an energy to gratitude. There's I been like studies on it too. Studies on it. Studies, but yeah. I love it because it's a placeholder. Do you know why I work with women that if you say, I want you to write, I love myself, they're, they're out of the room. They can't do it. So mm -hmm. just to do this one thing, here's what happens. You start to rewire your brain. Mm -hmm. And then the next assignment is when the worst things happens to you in your day, you have to say it to yourself 70 times. Mm -hmm. You wake up one day, somebody steals your motorcycle. 
Yeah, you're going to be like, thank you, God. Thank you, spirit. Thank you, universe. Thank you, whatever you want to thank. Thank you, beautiful tree. Before anything comes out of your mouth, can you try it? Mm. See, I'm not saying dismiss the sad things in your life. Oh, no, you can't. No. You can acknowledge it. You but can you can choose gratitude before you choose despair. And despair will find its way in. If you work with me for longer than that, we flip despair right on its head. But if you can just start out with the simplest of things, you know, I read this book. I was given this book by Deb Engel, and Deb, Deb Engel wrote this book called The Only Little Prayer You'll Need. And when I was given that book, I don't know, Jessica might know when I was given that book. It was a bunch of years ago. I laughed. And Linda actually scheduled her for an interview with me. <laughs> and I thought I am not in. I'm not interviewing anybody with a book that says there's only one prayer. <laughs> and then I read the book. Yeah. Big print, a lot of words, and the prayer was thank you. Now, of course, there are versions of it. There's expanded versions of it that you can do. But in the end, it was about thanking. Yeah. And you see, we can choose that, Danielle. So let's go back to the to the idea of choice. You can be listening to me today and, and choose not to try it. But choose not to try it. But what if you did choose to try it? What if you tried it 70 times a day for 70 days? Wow. You hand write out, thank you, God, universe. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be the same. But what if you tried it? Wow. See, this is the choice. We only have one freedom in the world, and that's our freedom to choose. And we can we can choose. I you know I could choose whether I quit my job, leave my job, look for another job, yell at my boss, don't yell at my boss, right? I can choose whether I want to play a sport, not play a sport, go to the movies, don't go to the movies. Now people in other parts of the world are like Victor Frankel, although I am not sure there has ever been a scenario I can think of that was anything near the Holocaust. I yeah. do not think I can think of a single one right now. Now, clearly women in Iran for, for practicing the Baha'i religion or being, I mean, we have that. We, we have a lot of examples. We have a lot of examples. As what happened in the Holocaust, but there are bits and pieces of it happening in many places. Everywhere, everywhere. See, see the thing is that I'm going to, now I'm, I'm an optimist by nature, but when I'm depressed, I forget that I'm an optimist. So I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit here um, because there, there's also, it took me a very long time to accept the fact that gratitude is, uh, is there's scientific proof that gratitude is, is a good thing. Um, because for me, I only met people who would say to me, oh, I write in my gratitude journal every day. You know, I write in my, so the sun is shining. I'm happy the sun is shining. Thank you, sun, for, for being shining today. And and for me, that was like, okay, I can't stand this. Where's the authenticity in it? And I would say, you know what? I Yeah, I have, I, I have gratitude. I'm very grateful every day that I have the kind of life that I have. But there's a difference between that and just, you know, writing in your gratitude journal every day. Blah, blah, blah. And I want to point out that difference. That there is, you know, the authenticity of of saying that thank you, of knowing 
that you truly are thankful as opposed to just writing it because somebody tells you you have to write it. Yeah, but you can't. You know, here's the thing. It takes a while Mm -hmm. to get to feel that. Yeah. It takes a while for somebody that is really down the court to wake up like I wake up in the morning. I don't, my eyes open and my thank you, God, thank you, spirit is already going on. I have a funny feeling that I started before I even wake up. And when my eyes pop open, it's already going on in my brain. Before my feet hit the ground, I've already probably banged out about 20 of them in my own mind. But I didn't start doing that because I wanted to. I had a great spiritual teacher. And how did she put it? Okay, I can't cuss. So I'm going to just say, she (laughs) said, I don't care if you feel it or not. Write it. Well, and write it angrily until the anger dissipates. And, you know, I'm like, no, it's never going to just right. And then it just did. I don't know how to explain that. But what if it did work in the way, you know, Carolyn Mace used to say something interesting. I think she still does. You know, Anatomy um, Anatomy of Spirit, I think, Sir Buck, that was one of her first books. She used to say this. It's a tissue issue. It's <laughs> in your tissues. Mm-hmm. And see, faking it until you make it works. Yep. Now, change your behavior, change your mood. Change it and just change it. But there's something about it. Now, I'm not saying you don't say it out loud, but for a lot of folks, we can't get there until we do the writing. Yeah. Until the anger, the resentment, the fear, the anxiety dissipates a little bit. Mm-hmm. Once it starts to dissipate, something energetically happens and then you can choose again, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It is about choice. It is about that freedom. Yeah. And I think that's also what the, the, the goal of journaling actually is to, to write and write and write. Was somebody taught me once the technique of every day writing somewhere between three and five pages, um, just random notes, not about anything in particular, but just whatever comes into your mind, just mm-hmm. write it out free form, you know, just mm-hmm. handwritten, obviously. Uh, and somewhere between the third and the fifth page, something will change. And it's true. It, That's it, there's no question about it. I mean, when you actually do 70 of these, it's yeah. three pages. Now, I forgot to tell you. Yeah. When I do this with people, I have to say to them, I have to be able to read every line. Right. Because here's uh, what we'll do. Yes. We'll just scribble some stuff like I do. But it's it's an interesting emotional journey. Things mm-hmm. come up. We have the freedom to choose. We may not know how. You see, we may not know how to flip a switch between fear and despair and suffering. Um, you know, Danielle, the Dalai Lama... The Dalai Lama was doing a number of tours in the United States and, you know, uh, spent a lot of time in Seattle. And one of the things that, you know, that happened, you're sitting with the Dalai Lama and the Dalai Lama's in the room and you could tell he's surrounded by his top people and chit-chatting, funny, funny guy, right? Yeah. You know, 
chit-chatting and his number one person walks in like the number one, you know, number one monk or in the, in the scale of, right. And hands him a note. And the Dalai Lama puts his head down, maybe 10, 20, 30 seconds, picks his head up and continues. Later on, you find out that what happened was in that moment, his closest and dearest friend was executed. And what he demonstrated is he took the time he needed to feel and express that sorrow. You see, what happens sometimes to us is we take our fear, anxiety, our sorrow, we create a story around it. Mm -hmm. If you leave me, I'm never going to be able to live my life. Mm -hmm. If I lose this job, I'm never going to be able to get another one. Mm -hmm. If my check bounces, the check bouncing police are going to come and lock me up. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to be able to tell my dad or my mom that I'm not as good as they think I am. See, all of these things will take the place of our freedom to choose something else. And Mm -hmm. it takes work. You said it before. It takes work. But I gave you a really simple exercise. 70 times a day. Yeah. That's it. You know, that kind of reminds me of when you talked about the Dalai Lama taking the time he needed to just process the the emotion he was feeling when he heard uh, his, his dearest friends had been executed. There's a actually there's a TED talk out there. It's probably the best TED talk I've ever heard in my entire life. I just wish I could remember the person's name. Um, she was she's a neurobiologist who uh, had a stroke. Oh yeah. Um, I don't know if the name will come to you. I'm very bad with names. Um, and uh, she wrote about it. She wrote a book about it. And what she's basically said was. Um, when the emotion comes up in you, basically, physiologically, your body needs 90 seconds to process that. And after that, you have a choice. You can decide to stay with that feeling, or you can decide to move on. Yes. So uh, I have, I need time to go and look for the name. (laughs) It drives me crazy when I forget names that. Jill Bolton-Taylor. That's and it. I think, yeah. Yeah, Jill yeah. Bolton-Taylor, yes. Yeah, thank you, Jessica, for that. <laughs> yeah. And, I, you know, I interviewed her when that book came out, and yeah. it was it was genius. Her story is genius. And the TED Talk is genius. Yeah. Really, if you have a chance to listen to it, just look her up. It's one of the best TED Talks I've ever heard. Yeah, Jill Bolton-Taylor. Bolt, yeah. 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 Great. Thank you, uh, Jessica. That's fantastic. So, where do we go next? I have some thoughts on that. How about you? I'll go anywhere you want. Okay, let's take a break and we'll come back. You have one life to live. You want to spend it doing something you enjoy and that has meaning. If you're listening to this, then you're among the many who feel that the work they're doing is no longer a fit. My comprehensive coaching will support you and help you figure it out. I've coached hundreds of people through career transition. 
visit my website today to book a free call, www.reinventing-letteru.com, when what you do matches who you are. Are you feeling exhausted and overwhelmed? Imagine waking up each day with confidence and energy. Dr. Rachel Sweet is a highly skilled epigenetic precision wellness coach to guide you towards enhancing your sleep, nutrition, and movement. Her book, Expressive Origins, holds the key to discovering that there is no one-size-fits-all approach to health and wellness. Let Dr. Rachel Sweet help you design a new lifestyle for your best living. Visit drrachelsweet.com today. Are you struggling with body image, aging, or grief? Hi, I'm Dr. T, and here to support you through life's challenging experiences. I specialize in offering valuable insights into the unique struggles and triumphs that accompany these sensitive topics. My expertise and compassionate approach ensure that you will feel supported and understood. Learn how you can receive guidance tailored to your specific needs and concerns. Visit me, Dr. T, at ccwithdrt.com. So, having said all of that, and uh, we know that uh, you know exploring your emotions or acknowledging your emotions is important, and but having knowing that we have a choice is important. Has it ever happened to you that uh, I know it's happened to me that you make a choice, you finally make a choice or a decision, and you realize that "Hmm, maybe I should have not done that. You know, I'll give you an example, a really silly example. This morning, I I, uh, I got two emails from from uh, the printer company. That I have two printers at home, and I got two emails from them. And I opened the oldest one first instead of opening up the more recent one. I figured, you know, I'll go in, in, in times of in the, the order in which they came in. So I opened the first one, and, oh, Black Friday deal, 20% off. Great, fine. I need some ink. I need some toner. So I go and I order what I need. And then I go back and I open the second one. The second one was 30% off. Now, that's a really silly example. That's a good one. But had I, you know, not been in a hurry to do something, I would have gotten a better deal. I picked the Seahawks to win last weekend. Okay. Bad choice. Well, but then again, it's a Monday morning quarterback decision. I mean, you know, when I I was very, look, it's football. But I was very excited about the Seahawks. I thought they could be seven and three, neck and neck with the 49ers. And then there was that game. And then there was the missed field goal. So did I make a bad decision? Not really. Did I expect a different outcome? I did. But we make decisions all the time. Are they always going to be our best? I don't know the answer to that. But you can make them good enough. And see, that's what we're talking about. That's it. Look, after my 14-year relationship, everybody's like, ah, you shouldn't have, right? 14 years later, now you're telling me I shouldn't have. But I did. And, you know, a 14-year relationship that I I don't believe that I regret. I regretted it the way it ended. But there was a benefit to it. See, these are the tricky things in life. You see, I'm a silver lining girl. (laughs) I could have been in that movie silver lining playbook thing, right? 
I'm not saying that I do it easily and perfectly, but I'm, I am what you call positive centric. Yeah. My heart leaves with that. Yeah. Am I cynical about a couple things? I have to think, right? Uh, probably uh, glad they're renewing the morning show. Thank you for that. <laughs> but basically, I don't ruminate. And see, I think the key to our decisions and choices is what we do in the aftermath. There are decisions I've made in my life that were horrible. You know, early years of my life, drugs, alcohol, the way you treat people. I can't take that back, but I can certainly do things now to make sure I make the proper amends. I can't go back and erase it. And they were ridiculously bad choices, but I made them. And I'm the one that has to live with what that looks like. Yeah. Um, my dad, my sisters, people make choices all the time. Yeah. But the difference is, can you get on a pathway where you look at those choices you make and understand they're all part of the journey? You know, they they're all part of how you sculpt yourself. And, and learning to forgive yourself in the process. But you said something, that's another conversation. You said something very interesting at the very beginning there. You talked about it's sometimes it's good enough. And I think that in the world that we're living in, if we talk about reinventing ourselves, the world is moving so fast ex- at an exponential speed, exponential of an exponential, if we want to call it that, that sometimes good enough is the best we can do. Mm-hmm. And good enough choices, the idea is to recognize, oh, okay, maybe it was a bad choice. Well, then what about this choice was actually good that I can exactly. keep and learn from. And what about it was not so good that I can also learn from and what do I need to change to make it better? Yeah. Yeah. You know, the choices that I separate are the choices I make for myself and the choices I make that harm other people. Yeah. And those are those are the ones that you really have to take the blinders off and look at. You know, those are the ones. And we also make choices where we hurt ourselves. You know, in the end, we still have the freedom to make those choices. The question is, what do we do in the aftermath of them? You know, many people have been where I've been and look back at their lives and say, I wish I would have done it different. I wish I could have done it better. But that was the best version of myself for that point in time in my life. And it wasn't good enough because I wanted to be a different person. So what did I do with that? This is where you get to make choices to up level. You come from despair and disappointment. And you probably, if you really want it, but you got to want it. Danielle, you got to want this. Mm -hmm. You have to want to be able to make choices that bring more joy and love and light into your life. You have to be willing to work for it because this stuff is work. It I is. mean, sit there and do 70 times a day. Go ahead. Yeah. Try it. <laughs> yeah, it is work. I mean, I, you know, losing weight uh, is hard work, and but you have to want it. And yeah. I, something I struggle with every day. And I have to remind myself, you know, this is my goal. This is why I want to do it. And it's still very hard every day. And I don't succeed every day. But, hey, that's also a choice. It is. And, you know, you look at yourself and, and let me ask you about this. Yeah. What good is it 
to hold the energy of not enoughness because we ate a piece of cake. I mean, what good is it going to do? If you want something bad enough, you will do whatever it takes. Now, I'm ta you're talking to somebody with 30 plus, 30 plus clean and sober longer than that wow. for drugs. Yeah. And there's, there's only two lines in those 12-step programs that you live by. You're not going to drink or use no matter what. Oh, sounds so easy. Really? Mm -hmm. no. Talk to a heroin addict or somebody yeah. like that. Yeah. But it's not easy. You have to really want a different life. Yeah. Um, losing weight in our society it is ridiculously difficult at so many levels. I know. You can't, you, you need food to survive. It's just back in the day, the only commercials you had on television were for some kind of marshmallow thing. Now you're bombarded 24-7. Absolutely. It's, it's very difficult. And the amount of food that is not healthy also is it just abounded. It abounds everywhere. But you know, something else you said also, and I had the thought earlier as well, the thing that comes back to me is um, from appreciative inquiry, which is really oh, yeah. to get back what you put into the world. So the and what you focus on grows. So if you focus on things that are negative, of course you're going to be surrounded by negative things. But if you focus on the positive, if you focus on the the gratitude, then you will receive that in return because the universe is open to whatever message you put out. Mm -hmm. It's going to say, "Oh, that's what you want. Okay, I'll give you some more." I I hope Jessica gets a picture of the rice experiment. The jar that got hate talked to it. When you look at the color of that, Danielle, you will be shocked. I am going to try that. You will be shocked. It's unbelievable. I, I looked at four different experiments that were done, all the same result. Wow. So what happens to us then? Yeah. Right? I, absolutely. You know, I was, somebody was telling me the other day, they watched uh, a movie and um, I like Keanu Reeves. I, I really do. I like a lot about him, but I, I cannot get myself to watch one of the, his uh, latest movies. Ah. And it's because as quirky as the movie is, I am just not in the mood for gun violence right now. Yeah. Okay. And I have a pretty thick skin. I can watch pretty much anything but there's some days i think why why do i want to watch that it's interesting being here with linda and karen because when that tv is on it's the it's the christmas or the hallmark or the or the magnolia channel or the build the home by the beachfront that's it or Karen will watch 50 million reruns of Gunsmoke or something. Yeah. And it's fascinating what the energy of that does. Yeah. Now, when I go upstairs and I get my tablet in my hand, that's a whole different thing. But I think I watched Alien Covenant last night, right? <laughs> oh, my goodness. 
Yeah, I like action movies too, actually. Exactly. But you see, yeah. we get to choose this in the world we live in today. Yeah. The hardest thing that we think we don't have the, the, the right to choose, we don't believe we have the right to choose the people we're around. Oh. I mean, that's hard. Yeah. You know, I have people saying, I don't want to spend time, blah, 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 the holidays. Yeah. Well, well then don't. <laughs> well, except that sometimes when you don't, then those people get upset because well, they, they have consequence. Look, every choice has a consequence. Absolutely. Every single one, right? <laughs> but you're right. I mean, we have the right to refuse uh, to have certain clients. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. The point I think that you're making to this is part of reinventing you, whether it's in your job, people don't think they have choices in the workplace anymore. We do. We do. We do. And I think the younger generation knows that. Oh, boy, they, do they. And they're making those choices. Oh, they do. clear that they want to live a certain kind of life. So it's yeah. really nice to see. It's really interesting. It will be interesting to see how it turns out. Uh, it, it's just, it's fascinating to me. It's fascinating to me too. But yeah. you see, that's how you and I get to explore who we are. Yeah. See, yes. we are plugged into the things we're plugged into because what? We like to hear ourselves talk. No, we are students as well. I'm not perfect. Believe me, when I talk about gratitude, I'm a work in progress. But we what are. we're trying to share with people is something that may help them shift a little bit. Isn't that what you do? It is, absolutely. It's the ability to recognize that change is okay. And we're not perfect because we're human. By definition, we're not perfect. But if we can recognize um, who we are, we can first get to know who we are, and the, the fundamental part that will sort of inform us as to the direction we want to go in, you know, what our values are, who we want to be with, what we want to do with our lives, what is our vision of the world that we want to live in, you know, not, not the vision that the corporation puts up on their wall and, and says, you know, it sounds so beautiful, but they never adhere to. Well, yeah. what kind of world you want to live in? That's the yeah. vision I want to hear. Yeah. And then maybe we'll be able to, and and no, it's not going to be perfect. And it's going to be different for every person. I, I, the example I give is that my vision of the world is that I want to live in is a world that is in peace, right? Now, how do I do that? I make sure that the people that I work with are happy in their jobs because I believe that people who are happy doing you know, spending a third of their life at work doing something that they enjoy are not likely to go out and make war. But, you know, somebody else who has the same vision of the world that they want to live in may become a, a mediator working for the UN or something like that. Yeah. It could be the same vision and a completely different path. So that's the interesting part. And recognizing, as you said, throughout everything that we're not perfect. No. But we're going to, yeah, go ahead. I was asked, um, I don't know, about a month ago, uh, we were talking about jobs. And you and I have talked about jobs. And somebody asked me off just right out of the blue, so what's the best job you ever had? 
And I said, well, first, let me just be clear. I've been fired from every job I've ever had except one. And that one job was the best job I've ever had. So they expect you to be like a big executive. No, I've done all that. No, it was selling hot dogs from a hot dog cart in New York City when I was 17. I love it. it. Was, I loved the job. It was, I got to knew the people. I knew what they got. That was very telling for me to look back at that. I didn't understand back then how telling it really was for who I was supposed to become. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Because it sounds very intriguing. There's nothing. I mean, if you're standing out there with a hot dog cart in, in upper Manhattan, yeah. where you've got a lot of people coming from high paying jobs yeah. and they come to you, you are of service and you're communicating and, and there's a requirement. I mean, when Luigi comes up every day for the same hot dog, you better know what he wants. Yeah. And then, you know, like the mustard story is another story. But the yeah. point is, you see, I look back at that and how much I love that. Yeah. I love that job. No, it didn't pay a lot of money. Did it get me out of the homeless situation for a couple of weeks? But you see, I love that job. And what I do today, I love for the very same reasons that I love that job. Yeah. It's being of service to people. Yeah. But it took me a whole lot of other jobs in between. <laughs> but you see, and that's exactly what I do. I look at people and I, I put a thread through all of their experiences and mm -hmm. I see, okay, what is it that, you know, what is that golden little yeah. nugget that runs through your, your whole life? Yeah. And so for yep. you, it was also being of service to people. Yeah. For me as well, it was it was helping people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I volunteered here. Let me just end with this. I was so excited about gratitude and Thanksgiving that I volunteered Linda's house to cook for her brother and sister-in-law and sister here. Out of the blue that, you know, I didn't have to do that. But that was a feeling I had. You see? Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm a pretty good cook. And so that is another way for me. Sure. Sure. I do that too, actually. Yeah. I hope people can find something in their heart that they are so grateful for that they could hold on to it. You know, just hold on to it for a little while. You know, have that be the thing that guides you through the tough times, if you can. That's that's a great way to end, uh, Dr. Pat. Thank you so much for agreeing to come and, and speak with me today. Um, it started off talking about choice uh, and ended up talking about gratitude uh, and joy. And that, too, is a choice. Yeah, oh, thank, thank you. Thank you so much for all that you're doing, Danielle. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. I'm Danielle Silverman. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Reinventing You with me, your host, Danielle Silverman. Tune in on the second and fourth Monday each month at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Join me and feel inspired and optimistic about your future. We only get one life, so embrace change and thrive with me. Find work that aligns best with your soul and what you enjoy. For more information, go to reinventingyou.com.